Peter R. Bregan, M.D., is called the conscience of psychiatry for his many decades of successful reform efforts. His scientific and educational work provide the foundation for modern criticism of drugs and ECT and lead the way in promoting more caring and effective therapies. His books include Talking Back to Prozac, Toxic Psychiatry, Medication Madness, Psychiatric Drug Withdrawal, and now Guilt, Shame, and Anxiety, Understanding and Overcoming Negative Emotions. Welcome to the Dr. Peter Bregan Hour. Hello, my wonderful, wonderful, wonderful audience. By now, hopefully from her last time with us or from seeing her on Tucker Carlson or elsewhere on the TV, you recognize Li Meng Yan, Dr. Yan, MD, PhD, just an amazing human being. I mean, it's like a pleasure to share her with all of you. Imagine someone so heroic that she leaves her own country to come to America to tell the world about the dangers of the Chinese communist regime, to tell the world the truth about COVID-19, about its release from China, which we talked about in some detail in our previous session, which is very, very worth hearing. Um, it's just a pleasure to see you again. I, I talk about uh, Dr. Yan's work in our book, COVID-19 and the Global Predators. And um, just to catch folks up, we, we have now sold 24,000 copies of the book. Uh, yes. Before there, oh gosh, there's the book. You got your copy, your signed copy. Thank you so much. <laughs> you are Hi. so welcome. And uh, and that um, that just went up on um, Amazon now. We sold those direct from our website. We'll continue to do that in the U.S. and Canada. But now worldwide, you can uh, get it on um, the Amazon, Amazon India, Amazon Italy, Amazon Germany, Amazon Great Britain. And um, it's already doing remarkably well just uh, uh, since the 30th. Um, the um, the ebook, which is apparently selling more briskly right now, it's a big book. Maybe that's why it's six hundred pages with a thousand or more citations. Is uh, has been on and off number three or four in medicine, and number one in political science. So um, it's moving along and it's getting recognition for doing well by Amazon. Um, you can learn a lot more about Dr. Yan's work from the book. Um, well, I wasn't sure where to go today in our discussion, and Dr. Yan suggested something very important. That maybe we should look at the um, infiltration of really America, American military and education. We could look at uh, what it's like to live in communist China and censorship. But first, how are you doing here in America now? Are you feeling safe? Uh, yeah, because uh, actually, you know, uh, I know there is always threat, but uh, I'm in America. So still, you know, if something happened, I call the place. And also, uh, I will keep in touch with some agent. Uh, for example, the FBI agent, and to tell them something goes wrong with me, 
And also, uh, I have the friend here, so I can keep in touch. And somehow I feel I'm used to it and I always need to be cautious, but I'm not scared. And uh, I don't think they will, I mean, the China side will successfully disappear me in America. <laughs> Well, you know, your courage is astonishing. Your good spirit is uh, amazing. And um, you're a treasure. You're a gift to America and the world. And, you know, maybe we should just go right into, um, uh, there are very few defections from China. Um, very few people dare to leave. Um, my sense of, of uh, meeting Chinese students from Cornell um, is that they they really are afraid to even talk about issues surrounding what it's like to live in China. Um, I'm sure they're they're just very cautious. But uh, well, well, why do you think uh, there are so few people who come to the West and speak out? I think we had more common defections from Russia. I'm not sure, but I think so. Uh, what's your thoughts about it, Dr. Yan? Oh, hi, Peter. Thank you for telling the things uh, to support me. And thank you so much. And let's talk about why there are very little voice heard in America about the truth in China. Yes. I feel it's not because very little Chinese stay in America. You know, there are a lot of Chinese people here and also in Europe. And the traveling before the pandemic actually is very easy, right? Yes, yes. However, it is because of the very strict structure that organization system uh, organized by the Chinese Communist Party. So I can tell you something uh, combined my own experience that before the pandemic happened, even I thought speak out something about the truth in America uh, will be easy. However, when I see what happened and when I went through what happened, I realized it is really like my husband threatened me at that time before I leave Hong Kong. He said, they are everywhere. You can go nowhere. So mm -hmm. the thing is, China government not only surveillance people using like, for example, a 5G system, digital system, and also hukou. I'm not sure whether you know that basically means they strict people in their local hometown. If you need to move to other places, they can trace you through this system. Mm. So more than this, China government actually had spent so many years to make very, very strict network. Among this network, they use the things I mean, the mo one of the most valuable character we human or care about is trust. They use the trust and then they use the weakness of human. They combine that together. So that's why they finally have a lot of informant around you. No matter you are in mainland China, you are in Hong Kong or you are in America. And also this informant they don't need to be professional or something. Many of them, they just need to realize that when you hear something or when you watch something that not would not make China government happy, 
then if you reported it through some different network, you will get feedback. And this kind of award can be very huge. That's why if people are greedy and if they are not kind enough or if they are curious, whatever, in this situation, they can be used by Chinese government as a tool to monitor others. And once some people try to tell the truth, and if this kind of information was found by informant, and remember around you, there may not only be one informant, and even can be happened in your family. So the thing is you will get punished or get silenced very quickly. And they reach across the oceans, what you're saying, that even here in the United States, if you you would be at risk with informants without being able to recognize them. <clears throat> they could be family members, uh, but they could be strangers. And are most of these informants Chinese people, or do they have a lot of informants among uh, American, well, white Americans? Uh, I won't say that they reach to overseas that is like their propaganda and their infiltration because they need to spreading their lies to the Western countries to conduct their strategies, like the uh, using the like now we know they're using the virus, right? And before they also use like drugs, they use like the uh, fake uh, U.S. dollar. All these things all need something to. Uh, combined with their propaganda. So this kind of network maintains the propaganda because you don't hear the real information, you will be uh, attracted by the propaganda things. And there can be different type of uh, species of people. However, the majority should be Chinese because Chinese Communist Party, in their mind, they treat all the Chinese, I mean, even the Chinese people who were not born in mainland China, they treat all these people as born as their slaves. Mm -hmm. This is their thinking. And also because the Chinese culture is different compared to the American cultures. For example, the Confucianism. That is- What? What? Confucius. Confucius. Yeah, yeah, sorry, my pronunciation. You're doing great. Go ahead. Yes. All these things, they train people to be easily, I mean, the Chinese uh, Chinese people can easily accept such uh, idea as you have to be uh, obedient and also listen to the officials and also care about the family. That's why family can give you pleasure in this case. So all these things. So it's easier for China to manipulate the Chinese population. If they don't want, uh, so the China government still can, uh, can manage to uh, you know, manipulate their relatives or their friends in the, uh, among the Chinese or maybe even back to China. So that is their way they can, for example, if they want to control you, Peter, it's not that easy that they go through your family to give you pleasure, right? And mm -hmm. you won't, uh, I mean, accept uh, Confucian, this kind of ideas easily. So you will always have the idea that no, uh, I can't argue with them. Uh, this is not the things I learned from my family. 
not match my value. However, if they do it to people like me, for example, then they can go through my cousins, my uncles, my even parents and my alumni in China and my other friend moved to overseas. So you see, it's easier for them to have more people to deliver pressure to me. Pressure to you, yes. Yeah, yes. trust me, it's, it's very, very difficult for people to overcome such pressure. Yes. Because it mixed with lies and other things in the culture. So that is something you cannot blame those people, but finally they just get confused. And then China government actually, they, they can hold them silenced in this case. One of the things that's interested me in the reading I've started to do about China is there have been Chinese empires in the past where the emperor has exerted similar controls over the society as uh, Xi Jinping is doing now and that he kind of admires them. There were ancient emperors who controlled how many people could meet in a group, what could be talked about, what could be written about. Um, I don't know if you know much about that, but it was a stunning revelation to to see that this comes way before what's going on now and sets a precedent in China for this tremendous top-down control. Actually, Peter, you caught the real point here. If you read the Chinese history, if you live in China, you will realize that Western civilization actually never really developed in China, especially mainland. If you see Hong Kong, it has been more democratic because it was uh, ruled by UK for almost 100 years. And then yeah. they learned that kind of system. Although now China ruled it very quickly. Somehow what was that last part? But nowadays, China is what? We're taking over Hong quite, Kong, yeah. Quite it. So now there is no real separation of power, no real surveillance. Yeah, yeah no, no democracy. And in mainland China, somehow, let's talk back to 2000 years ago. One of the first united uh, dynasty in Chinese history, Qing dynasty. If you know that there was a very famous heritage about the underground warrior. So mm -hmm. that's from that empire. From that time, they actually established their united that system, and the king is the one. Uh, in Chinese, we call it, it's a very famous word now. We call it Ding Yu Yizun. It means no matter what, uh, what kind of topics, finally, the uh, imperial. In, the emperor. In, sorry. Good. <laughs> I mean, your your English is amazing. I mean, of course, I can't speak a word of Chinese. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry, sometimes my tongue gets suddenly stuck. <laughs> emperor, right? Emperor. Yes, emperor. Yes. Emperor. Yeah, emperor. Well, the the emperor actually becomes the one holds the power over all, any idea, no matter what it all is. The thing, all the things. Yeah. Even if you go to ask him, hey, how could I treat the psycho a psychologic patient? So if he has different idea with you, you'd better listen to him, although you are the psychologist. <laughs> but that's yes. how it happened. And okay, so and also at that time, they combined 
some other opinions. Before that, it is called Shangyang. Uh, one guy named Shangyang. He raised the uh, uh, very, I mean, uh, well accepted uh, rules to control the people. Well accepted by the ruling levels in Chinese history. After that, so in that opinions, he tell people tell the emperor that. You have to make your people united, and also make them stupid. Make them stupid. Yeah, that's called fool the people. United the people, fool the people. The fool can be from the education and all the things.、Mm -hmm. Make them exhausted, tired, exhausted. So that's why this is what's happening in America right now. Oh, that's、what? from thousand over two thousand years ago from China, and later on used. During all the Chinese history, this is a top level that kind of,、uh, I mean, theory for those kings to control the whole China. And then, say exhausted people, then people has no time to think about too much, like protest or other things.、Mm -hmm. And poor people bring their money away. They are poor. They have to survive for living. They struggling for surviving. And then, so they have no time to do something else,、mm -hmm. and also humiliate them. So make them don't have the confidence. They have to listen to you. And if all of these five ways don't work, guess what is the extra way? The extra way is to kill them. So from that Qing Dynasty two thousand years ago. The emperor, uh, em, 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 that's a king. <laughs> emperor, emperor, em you got it, you got it. <laughs>、yeah. The emperor got this five ways combined with the Confucius. Confucius also, what he has done is, at that time, Confucius teach you, I mean, listen to the senior, senior, including in the family, your father senior to you, your brother senior to you, and outside, your boss senior to you. And then finally, the emperor is most senior, right? So you, you see, in that kind of structure, you don't have the freedom for innovation and other things.、Yeah. And that's why after two thousand years, although I mean, from the end of eighteen、uh, hundred to early nineteen hundred, at that time, the some. Uh, I mean, the officials in the government they try to bring the uh, Western uh, Westernization back to China. However, because of this thinking, still very deeply happened in their mind. So they want bring the technology back. However, still adapt into this Chinese culture. But this kind of I mean, disadvantage in Chinese culture actually obstacles the development of the Western technology. And then after that, World War One, World War Two, and Chairman Mao. Chairman Mao knows history very well. He read a lot. He has been work.、Uh, he has worked in a library in Peking U before. So he understand how to combine this kind of things together. He combined Marxism, and he combined the, his Maoism, and with this kind of traditional Chinese culture, took the advantage 
and develop in the new China. And Tell me again what he combined. He combined two things. So many, so many. But the main thing is he developed his Maoism based on his Maoism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, based on his the Marxism and also the Chinese culture. Yes, and that, and then I've been kind of get, getting that sense of the degree to which both the Marxism and the uh, emperors come together with the impulse to dominate the world. Um, that China is not as it portrayed itself to the West and fooled all of our statesmen for decades. Um, that it was like this insular place. It wasn't any threat to anybody. It didn't want to expand. But actually, uh, China was a, a leader in imperialism and in... Um, uh, and then with Marxism, you have another impulse toward imperialism, you know, the, you know, the liberation of the proletariat, which is actually the dictatorship over everybody in the name of the proletariat, the working people. Um, and um, so it's wonderful to hear you saying the same thing that has been that's been cooking as I, in my mind as I'm looking at it. And it makes it a tremendous threat to mankind, right, to humanity right now. Oh, yes, because you say, for example, you just asked me why people can listen to Xi Jinping and can let this kind of style, very dictatorship, and also very cruel happen in China. It's because she actually learned from Mao. He respects Mao very much. Yes. And he, you say, he used dictatorship which actually in our Chinese history, it was used for over 2000 years, right? And also mm -hmm. in the new China, although they claim that in the past 70 years we have democracy, however, that is propaganda. Everyone in China knows we don't have democracy. And as I told you, by education, by insulting, and all these kind of tricks they will use, the tactics they use, they brainwash Chinese people in the past 70 years in mainland. They change the history. They tell you the lies. All the things is to uh, fortify their, uh, how to say, their, their uh, power in China. So people get used to that for the dictatorship, uh, Marxism, this style, even to kill some other people, is reasonable. That's why it happened in Cultural Revolution. It happened in Tiananmen event. Tiananmen Square. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If if you don't if you don't agree with them, remember we have one more thing happening in our history. For many times, repeatedly that. So the imperial, if they want to control the uh, freedom of speak, speech, so they will check the things you write and you talk, do very strict censorship. It's not only like you're seeing in America, still that is so, uh, in, in America still that is very superficial. I mean, I can say it's like you mm -hmm. have to claim to uh, clearly to say, I don't like whom. Uh, then you maybe get things there. For example, you say, I really advocate hydroxychloroquine, you get suspended, right? However, in China, those are something actually they playing on words. 
So, for example, you, you want to tell something in the poem, but some people, they, they, they want to bring you trouble. Then they can explain that, oh, from your poem, I see you talk about some drugs and you want to imply the drug is nice. So I assume you are talking about the hydroxychloroquine. And then that means you are not happy with your government. So, okay, mm. that's their logic. That's why still I see in America, there is still opportunities. We still can fight against it because I see the distance between American censorship and the Chinese censorship. But once you remember, this way is very fast. Once you get very close to that, we have no way to stop it. You think we're getting close in America? I think we are. I, I think, uh, I mean, I don't quite understand the censorship in America before I came. But I, it must have been a shock, a disappointment. So before I came, I saw there is no such censorship. And uh, since I came here, I can tell uh, from my experience, is I feel things get worse now. Because yeah. when I first talk about the uh, lab origin and also show my report on the Twitter last September, at that time, Twitter suspended my account. And then they don't allow my video or my talk go through the, uh, in the Tuck Carson, they don't allow it to go through the uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and all the other social media. I remember at that time, it become a very huge topic. I mean, the senators and the uh, government uh, staffs and also uh, other, the media and so many people, they will come out to talk that, why do you uh, suspend Dr. Yen's account? We need a free speech. However, if you say it goes to this uh, January, February, and now, no one would feel surprised if someone's account gets suspended. Yes, you were in an early suspension. <laughs> yeah, so the thing is, if now you tell people, oh, I'm suspended, suspended by the social account, they'll say, oh, I'm surprised you didn't get suspended several months ago. <laughs> so that is clearly what I say. Initially, people are shocked, then they get used, and then they treat it as normal. That's how it moves. And also, yes. that makes me feel if you don't try to stop it and reverse it back to the, I mean, healthy uh, situation, then it is like, you know, Peter, it's like people get sick. Initially, it's okay, it's okay. This is still early treatment time. We don't want it to go to the uh, late stage. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, that we really are moving in that direction. And you saw the changes yourself here. You've been here during the changes. It must be a very strange feeling to, to see these changes happening uh, here. Um, it's a very dreadful situation indeed. Um, yes. And uh, I'm, God, there's so much to talk about here. Um, where do you want to take the conversation at this point? Do you want to talk some about the, more about the infiltration of China into our universities, into our military? 
Um, I don't know that you've talked much about that. Have you uh, since you've been here? Uh, yeah, I have talked to some people or some media. For example, when I went to the Freedom Caucus to do my mm -hmm. uh, that kind of, uh, you can call it testimony, or maybe it's not a formal testimony, but it's something like that. I Like a formal testimony, yeah. I show my open letter, and also uh, I explain to them what happened. And at that time, I told the congressman and congresswomen that the military infiltration in America from China actually is very serious. Just you didn't realize that. Uh, for example, uh, they keep telling that the media and uh, some, some analysts and even some uh, innocent scientists in America who doesn't really, who really don't uh, don't really understand Chinese culture. They would think this virus is just from the lab, which is a civilian lab, right? And then maybe a group of civilian scientists uh, study something and make a mistake. That sounds very reasonable and easy to be accepted. However, if you know Chinese Communist Party, you know the Chinese scientific community, then you will get the same conclusion as man that they are just the person who you can see on the stage. However, even if you remove the whole Wuhan lab, you put all the bad woman and other people, her team member into the prison, still cannot solve this whole problem because it's more like uh, you catch several ants, but the other ants will move to the other nest still in your home from the kitchen to living room to dining room, all this. Right, mm -hmm. because behind that it is the military civil fusion project that has developed actually in the unrestricted bioweapon program. It was developed since over 20 years ago. Yeah. However, back to Chairman Mao's time, it was also very well developed by him too. Let's stop for a minute. Let me just remind people what some of this is about. We're talking about something that I first heard of in a paper by, by Dr. Yan, um, which is the uh, unrestricted warfare concept, this underlying concept that there is a warfare that you carry out that uh, can be silent, it could be uh, uh, surreptitious, unknown, unrecognized, and it has no rules other than you win. It, uh, there are no ethics that control it. The end totally justifies the means. And that uh, the release of the uh, bioweapon that became COVID-19 was an act of unrestricted warfare, which I think I... My first one, my book, I certainly was influenced by what you said, but I was already moving in that direction in our book, Me and Ginger. Um, and I think Ginger decided that before I did. I have more, I carry more uh, limits in my imagination sometimes than Ginger. And she had already concluded that it was all part of a war against the U.S. Um, and... Uh, then you're also talking about the military civil fusion, which is that everything that relates to civilian life becomes fused with military life. Uh, if it has any relevance at all, maybe even if it doesn't, there there is no difference in China. 
between the military and the civilian. And I think that's the point you're making about it's it's not some accident in a military lab. It's an active, I mean, in a civilian lab, it's a, an activity of a military lab run by essentially the Communist Party and also the People's uh, Liberation Army. That, am I getting what you're saying? Yes, exactly. So you actually, from your side, you told the audience this kind of uh, general situation happened in the whole uh, system in the Chinese Communist Party. So yeah. uh, actually, let me be more uh, explain more about that for the audience. It is like um, China knows that our advantage, the government's advantage, is they have enough people. And remember, as I mentioned, that China has never really accepted Western civilization, including human rights. So that's why, by default in their mind, and of course, this is a good way for them to enhance their power, they treat people as nothing. Even, uh, I mean, to be honest, if you imported um, uh, how to say the elephant, which is very expensive, then they will treat that elephant better than a human because it's more expensive. So if you listen to the CCP, those kind of uh, leaders leaders talking, you always say like this, that we have 1.4 billion people. It doesn't mean we have so many people, we are proud of them and we help them. No, it means, see, I have 1.4 billion tools, which uh, low cost, low cost, but I can use it for our purpose. So that is clear difference between your thinking and the CCP's thinking. So in this case, they know when they don't have enough technology and they don't have enough military power, how to overcome the whole world, especially they always treat America as a primary enemy in front of them. Mm -hmm. They want to use the Marxism, communism to control the world. So their advantage is human power, manpower. So that's why, you know, they had developed so many ways to use it. The military civil fusion is very uh, typical and a very useful uh, strategy they contacted because they always have enough people to work for civil purpose and also for military purpose. And when they need more people to do the things, they will convert the military and the civil to each other. And the Americans cannot even distinguish what happened. And if they say something, for example, they say some civil scientists work in their lab, they won't be so sensitive. However, I don't know that civil scientists may have another identity back to China as a military member. Or the scientists will go back to China and they will offer him a military uh, position. And also, they can easily change, uh, go to this kind of uh, laboratories and share their facilities and share the knowledge, network, and all this kind of resource. So there is no boundary. It's just up to the benefits of the government. However, it's difficult for American government to uh, 
understand and also catch the evidence because Chinese behavior is like the government is like the huge mafia. You won't talk to them for the evidence, but they will never leave you evidence. You assume between the department and the government, there should be documents, but no, there is no document and they will lie, they will deny, they will disappear the people if you, you think that is suspicious, they will just disappear the target. Yeah. And you lose your evidence again. This is so important for folks to listen to. And even as I'm listening, as much as I have the general sense of it already, it's amazing just to hear you talk about it and about how it infiltrates uh, so many thousands of years and into the consciousness of the the Chinese people. Um, you know, the to me, the 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 beauty of the Judeo-Christian American culture that led to the Declaration of Independence is it really says that what matters is every single individual. It says we have a Bill of Rights to protect every single individual's rights. The government doesn't come first. The individual comes first. And I like to think of it in terms of the word treasuring, to make a treasure of every individual people, person, to treasure each other. And that comes also out of the religion and the idea, the Judeo-Christian idea that we're made in God's image suggests that we have this incredible worth. Uh, the Quakers uh, speak of uh, recognizing that of God in each person. So when you greet a human being, uh, you're not greeting a member of the Communist Chinese Party or a Republican or a Democrat. You're greeting a treasure, uh, somebody that has, has God instilled in them. And um, this, this, uh, this feeling pervades many of the people I know who are fighting for America's freedom right now. In the many, many uh, media people on the right, and uh, uh, and uh, on and who many, many of them, as you know, I'm Jewish, are devout Christians who who see themselves as standing up for for love and for freedom and for independence. Um, and this is just not what the Chinese culture evolved. It's a very different um, evolution. And um, I was struck a long time ago about how many of the things that in the West we've adopted from the East, um, uh, like um, uh, meditation, for example, um, but there, there are many other things um, and that, that really are ways of living in a situation you can't control. It's a way of accommodating. I've, I've even heard that the communists have actually uh, promoted uh, meditation in the United States because it tends to make people more, more uh, accepting of the world around and less impinged on it somehow. Whereas in America, you know, there's that fighting spirit. <laughs> it's not very meditative. Uh, individualism is not quite so meditative, I don't think. Uh, now, am I going far afield, or does this make some sense to you? Uh, actually, when you talk about faith and meditation, uh, I have some other things based on my experience and my knowledge in China to share with Americans. 
Please. That oh, actually the very big difference. I mean, one of the fundamental difference between the Chinese culture, the bad side. I mean, uh, and the um, um, Western civilization is the the face. So you know, uh, as I said, uh, back to uh, the Chinese history, the people need to listen to the uh, emperor, right? And we don't have that kind of, uh, you know, strong faith like the uh, Christian, Jewish, or the ca uh, Catholics to people. And people will know, yeah, there are some, uh, for example, Buddha was there, but they don't have really understanding about this kind of uh, religion because government is fooling people. And also, they, because of, as I said, make people poor, make people uh, like exhausted. They have no time to really thinking about the religion and the faith. So they basically, uh, I mean, they're struggling for their living at a very minimum way. I mean, majority of the Chinese. Yeah. And then later it goes to the Chinese Communist Party. And you know, the Marxism, Maoism, they told you there is no God. And there is only communism. The communism told you that human can do everything. I mean, translated, it means there is nothing impossible. There is no bottom line. And also they don't believe that there is the next life or the hell or the heaven. So for them, whatever you do in this life, you will reach whatever you want or something. That is the best thing you can reach in all your lives. You become a uh, for example, general, and you have a lot of money, you become billionaire, you get it in your this life. After that, no later life, no other things. So that's how they train people to know it. And that's why, you know, people live in a very nervous and insecure situation. Because also during their control, Chinese Communist Party knows how to, as I said first, break the trust right and also make troubles this make troubles i mean if you consider it into the very simple way you can think about like for example mandate remember i said mandate is very typical with that they can use to separate people divide people so they will create so many kind of problems like the mandate and then let the chinese people to fight against each other Whatever topic, for example, uh, they said about the, uh, let me think about how to, uh, how to give you a good example. Uh, for example, they said some people can go to university and some cannot. And if this is not based on the fair selection system, and if there are some space for corruption to happen, then there will be trouble. And uh, for example, back to cultural revolution, they told people that the uh, population who get good education in the university, especially those kind of faculty members, professors, they are bad. And then the other people who don't have enough education will fight with the educated population. That's mm -hmm. how they always keep giving trouble, separate people. <clears throat> and, and I think, Peter, actually, I always want to get your idea. Do you think if people live in such intensive and nervous environment, that means the 
possibility and the percentage of the population get psychological problem or mental disorder would increase? <clears throat> Certainly, I mean, mental disorders are just sort of various somewhat artificial categories that measure suffering. So I don't generally speak in, in those categories. I think suffering increases. Yes, personal suffering increases yeah. and happiness diminishes. And there's just uh, no question about that whatsoever. And that's one of the goals of, of instilling what you're describing as the confusion and setting people against each other, which is exactly what progressive politics are doing in the U.S. today, dividing people up into different genders and then multiple genders and multiple races and different identities and who's getting uh, the worst deal and who's getting the best deal. <clears throat> Until when you're done, uh, there's so much room left to, to take over. Yes. Because everybody else is demoralized and distrustful, the breaking of trust that you described. It's all taking place here in the United States today, very much patterned on um, what's happened in China and what's happened in uh, uh, other spheres of psychology in, in the West as well. That the changer's looking into right now. Um, she's been re researching, you know, what are the origins of this, not only from China, but from our own Western psychology and philosophy of mass demoralizing and threatening of people. But we are definitely seeing that now in the United States. It's definitely what um, our president is now doing, good old Joe, whoever's running him, dividing us, conquering us, <clears throat> before even an outsider has to come in and conquer us. Um, and it's, of course, very sad, very dismaying, but we are fighting against it. And you're such a, a treasure in this regard. And I'm so glad that you suggested we talk about all this. This was not my idea. Uh, but it's what Ginger's been thinking a lot about as well. And um, there's just no question that what looks haphazard and disorganized about, about the Biden administration, uh, you know, letting people come running through the borders, sending them around into different places in America and so on, um, uh, keeping warning us about the, the, the pandemic and threatening with new measures and all of this. It's demoralizing. And um, I got such an image while you were speaking, you know, uh, many people have observed that human beings have to believe in something. I mean, it's just in our nature. You can't find a person devoid of belief uh, and still find a person. <laughs> I mean, something they will have been demolished. And to think about, does your belief go back historically to an emperor who has control over life and death and is a god within and is God within the within the giant community, even with the hundreds of millions of Chinese who are under these huge empires in the past? Or when you think up, do you think of a loving God who's not even on earth, but presents us with challenges to live in a loving, independent, free manner? Whoa, that is really different. <laughs> yeah. And it is, it is like 
it's like darkness and light. And yeah. um, so whatever else, folks, I mean, if many, many Americans have been cynical about any kind of belief in, in a God and they point to all the horrible things done in the name of God and so on. And that's true. Human beings do horrible things in the name of love, in the name of parenthood. We, we human beings have always done horrible things in the name of good things. But to be inspired with the sense that you have a personal relationship with a power above human beings that is loving. It's got to be a loving, good power. Uh, if you believe that, then uh, you have the, a way to organize your mind and your heart that can stand up to this very dark, ugly tradition that has pervaded not just uh, Chinese history, but all history, all history, until our founders, uh, you know, created a nation that was supposed to be uh, based on individualism and freedom. And, and that's what's at stake right now. That's that's the context, the context of what we're in and the contest uh, we're in. <clears throat> I'm getting such a just a good inspirational sense of these differences from hearing you talk. I'm having a little allergy. I'm not ill. I have to apologize occasionally no, now. And let's hope you do. Take sometimes I get a lozenger, but I'm I'm not sure where they are right now. Here they are. But I'm <coughs> I'm going to let you talk a little bit. I'm going to have a lot. Drink some water and. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm going to have a little um, ludens here. Oh, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, I'd I like your response. And we have about seven minutes. <laughs> it's gone very fast. Actually, I think we are in a very good topic that <laughs> I always want to talk about. I mean, it's about the faith, about the different uh, opinions about faith from Chinese culture, American culture. And also it's about the even whether the faith is important for the next generations in America. Actually, I think I can use my experience from the country which has no real faith in the whole history. And this band now is more extremely uh, no faith, right? And I have my experience and I want to share some with American audience. It can be very, uh, I mean, brief, uh, and also maybe you think it's not deep enough, but that is something I really want to share with you. Please. It's like uh, I didn't uh, went to uh, go to church for many times. I mean, I joined people for mass since I came to America for several times. And also my grandma was a uh, Catholic. And also my father-in-law is a Catholic. And also my father, uh, my mother-in-law is a Buddhist, Buddhist. So somehow I get into a little bit understanding of the religions. And also I took a long time to ask myself whether human beings are the top creatures in the world and also whether there's no next life and people can do everything in this life as how CCP talk about. I spent a long time in my youngs to think about this and look for the answers. What I want to tell is, no matter you believe in God or not, you should know that there is, we are human, we have our weakness, 
and we also have some advantages compared to other living cultures, right? <laughs> living creatures. And also there are the something called principle in the life. When we do the scientific research, there is scientific principles. No matter how good you are at the science, this kind of principle stays there. You can only discover it, but you cannot change it, right? Because you are human. So you know you have your limitations. And also when you study medicine, you study more, you realize more, you even cannot explain the phenomenon you're seeing. You know human has a limitation. And you cannot explain how these things are. For example, how could a cell work like that? And how could a Golgi body in cells can work like that? And why so many cells get together? Then we have different organs and tissues and different, even one layer have different functions and we still cannot understand how it works. So all these things, and if you go to the, read the Bible, or if you go to listen to other, uh, for example, the Buddhism, other things, the other religions, you will realize actually the general principles of all this kind of your questions, your curiosities actually were presented by them already. So that's just up to whether you will understand this kind of general principles. So I, I don't know how, I don't think I can explain it very well in this short time. And because there are also a lot of things I keep thinking. However, there are really things that, I mean, people will say, oh, I don't believe in anything because I learned science or something. But I really think when you study science more, you actually respect more about the God or the God in your religion. Because you need to understand that there are something beyond the limitation of humans. And if you don't respect this kind of limitation, that is very CCP style. They told you that, they, for example, in Cultural Revolution, they destroy the church, they destroy the temple, and then they kill the monks and the fathers, and then tell you that you are the best in the world. You can do everything you can. And then they give no law. By the way, we don't have the rule of law. We just have rule of man in Chinese culture. Mm -hmm. So in this case, human do everything and that there is no limitation. There is no rule and there is no principle they want to follow. And it's not a surprise that finally, CCP created the unrestricted bioweapon to lead to the whole pandemic all over the world and even themselves cannot get protected. Mm -hmm. Well, I, <clears throat> I really sense exactly what you're talking about. And I was thinking in our Declaration of Independence, uh, Jefferson and the committee uh, who edited it, they refer to, to God and nature's God. And you, you're just talking about nature and that if we study anything deeply, we become impressed with the fact there are rules and principles that that have an origin we do not know of, but which exist whether we want to believe them or not. And that 
Um, you can be a lousy scientist, you can be a good, good scientist, but there are scientific principles and they exist in their own right. I think that is a part of what you're saying. And that when a human being thinks that there is no rule of law, no rule of science, no rule of God, only rule of man as in communism, we are always going to bring out the worst in humanity and that we all need a profound respect for values greater than ourselves and for values we can barely understand. Something like that, I think you're yeah, getting at. Thing, yeah, you make me, you remind me one thing I forgot to uh, emphasize that this kind of faith, the good faith, actually also will restrict the weakness of humans. Yes. However, when you give up the faith, you do you lose that respect to the nature, to principle, to God, and then it come to the Chinese Communist Party that side. That means the greedy, the evilness, the cruel, all this kind of weakness will be released and to drive you to do the thing without any bottom lines, and that is disaster. And China and their partners try to make such communism go all over the world. So at that time, if it really happens, the whole world is like the hell. That's a very good place to end. That's right. If we don't stand up and fight this and win, the whole world will be like hell. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Dr. Miling Yan. God bless you. Thank it you. It is yeah. such a pleasure to know you. Uh, and thank you for coming on the Dr. Peter Bregan Hour, but uh, much more. Thank you for being alive. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming to America. Thank you for sharing your heart with us today. Thank it's you. It's my pleasure. And let's talk in the future. We will be talking in the future. Yeah. Yes. Thank you very, very much. I know you have a busy day. I'll let you go and uh, listen, my audience, you wonderful people. Take this seriously. This is serious stuff. And thank you for taking it seriously. Thank you for being out there. Yes. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.